We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily, hour number two. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. Uh, this is going to be fun tonight, maybe. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm I'm a wreck. I'm nervous. And I'm speaking now personally, not professionally, as the Cowboys. And I don't know why, Tommy. The Cowboys aren't going to win a Super Bowl, so what difference does it make if they lose tonight or lose next week? They're not going to the Super Bowl. Um, but it still drives you nuts, and it's still Tom Brady at home. And we just learned that his center, uh, was it Ryan Jensen, uh, is coming back, which just means he's getting something back. And it's been a long time since he's had a healthy line. And things, I mean, I've said this all year long. He's going to get a little healthier. He's going to get a home field game, and he's going to make some noise and crush somebody's soul in the postseason. I'm afraid it might be the Cowboys tonight. I I don't know what to do with this game. I have no idea, Tommy. I, I don't know if the Cowboys can get this done. The Ca- It's two things. It's Brady at home, and it's the fact that, to me, the Cowboys are the most unpredictable team in football. Their best is as good as anybody's best, and their worst is just about as bad as anybody's worst. And where they come out on that, I have no idea, except I don't trust their coaching staff, so I'm not optimistic. Spoiler alert, the Buccaneers are going to win this game. Uh, and and so if I'm you and you're a fan of the Cowboys, uh, I would stay away from it from a betting perspective entirely because you're going to end up being upset that your team lost and you're going to be upset that you lost money uh, unless you find a, another way to bet it. Like if you want to take the Bucks to cover, which I know you don't want to do. Um, no. and, and there are going to be other ways you can bet the points or whatever you want to do, player props. Like that's great. Like there are, there are ways you can play the game, but uh, the Buccaneers are going to win. And I was not, um, I was not on that train for a long time. There were multiple times on this program that you said, "Hey, just watch. The Buccaneers are going to sneak into the playoffs, and Tom Brady is going to get a playoff game." And and I didn't believe it. I I wanted so badly not to believe it. I wanted to think. This is going to be the year that Tom Brady and his team are going to look bad. They're not going to make the playoffs. 
and he's going to kind of be irrelevant and people are going to question why he came back. And here we go. A home playoff game in Tampa Bay with a team that is not very good, but they made it. They won a weak division and they're taking on a Cowboys team that if you had asked me a couple of weeks ago, can this Cowboys team, I don't know, even make it to the NFC championship game? I would have said, yeah, I think they can. And then I watched them against the commanders and they looked absolutely terrible. The Buccaneers are winning this game. I, I don't I don't know. I honestly I've got no good insight prediction for anybody. I, I don't know what to say about this game. I if it, I were it you is, I would find something else to watch tonight. I would go see Yeah, a that's movie. not gonna happen. I would go I don't know. I would That's yeah, not gonna I happen. Just, I, I just it's fine. You're a I think I've, I get it. I've prepared myself this time more so than other years because my expectation has been much lower. You know, last year when they uh, pooped the bed, I I didn't, you know, last year's team, last year was a a year I think that they probably should have won the Super Bowl if we're just like power ranking the years where that was possible. Last year was that year. Uh, This year's not that year. Nothing about this year has told us that that's the case. The only thing I think if you're just like a blind optimist, which typically I am, is that at times this season we've seen the Cowboys have the best defense in football, and at times this season we've seen the Cowboys have the best offense in football, never at the same time. Um, And it's just I don't believe in the coaching staff like at all. So I don't know what to expect out of this game. It's just not going to – I don't know. They could beat the Bucs. Like I don't think – listen, we got to remember too how – bad the Bucks have looked at times this year. Sure. And there are plenty of reasons that you could make a case for the Cowboys. And I think sharp money, I think, is going to the Cowboys tonight uh, because everybody sort of feels the same way about them. But let's not forget, they have one of the best pass rushers in football. And if you give Tom Brady any kind of trouble there, he struggles. So I, I get that piece of it. I do. And that that part of it, I think, is interesting. But... It's still Brady in a hurry-up situation. If the Buccaneers don't come out and just play hurry-up offense and let Brady sort of run things on the field, then they deserve to lose because that's been what has led them to any sort of success at the times it has. That's why they always late in a game seem to like you, you're watching. If you watch a Bucks game, you're like, okay, finally that offense is getting – it's because they go hurry up. And and that's – we've said it for weeks now. The Buccaneers are going to get in. They're going to go hurry up, and Brady's going to crush somebody's soul like he always does. And it just may be the Cowboys. But the Cowboys, I think, is where sharp money's going right now uh, because I, I think that we forget that they have a pretty good pass rush, and that could be – the always has been the Achilles heel of Tom Brady. Can I tell you two things that you're not going to want to hear? And you probably already know this, uh, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Dallas is not one – a postseason game on the road since 1992. Yeah. So it's been 30 years. The last time that Dallas Dallas went on the road and won in the playoffs. That's number one. Number two, you already know this. We've talked about it before. The Cowboys have never beaten Tom Brady. Never beaten Tom Brady. And they haven't won a game in the playoffs on the road in 30 years. Now, will this be the team? And I think that this is the big question. Is this the Cowboys team that can finally get it done and break that? And I don't think so. Uh, I'm not convinced. I thought at one point, as recently as two weeks ago, a month ago, yeah, I think they they probably could. 
they could probably get it done. I thought they looked at least defensively as good as any other team in the conference and potentially the league. Uh, and then on offense, I thought that they looked good, not great, but could get it done with Dak and you know oh, at the a time guys they around were, him. There was a there was a month stretch, Tommy, where they were leading the league offensively for for like a chunk. It wasn't just one or two games. It was a but it their was bread and butter. Time. Their bread and butter is defense, right? And oh, for, you know, it one should of, be one of the the better defenses in the league for a number of weeks. So if you had asked me a month ago, can they get it done in the playoffs? Sure, I think they can. Uh, but not now, not right now, not with what I've seen recently. Yeah, they're unpredictable, but they're also, I think the word unpredictable is a nice way of saying they're inconsistent. Oh, and, absolutely. Incon- and inconsistency is not going to get it done in a win or go home situation against the all-time great in Tom Brady. Yeah, well, look, I, I get, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to act like the Buccaneers are awesome because they're not. That's that's the part of it that makes this game unpredictable to me is that the Bucks also probably aren't very good. It's really just like the Tom Brady thing. But even late in the season, like there's never been any stretch this year where Tampa's looked good for any extended amount of time. Like they're not one time. Like they're just they sort of backed their way into the postseason. So that that's the other part of it for the Cowboys is like the Buccaneers probably just aren't very good anyway. Let's go to the phone lines eight six nine twelve thirty forty Earl joins us now earl what's going on man real quick uh and you know dallas is gonna have to play on grass which they're not good on grass i'm sorry that's to true that oh and four this year but but such an enjoyable wild card weekend other than the second half of san francisco and seattle you yep. know very entertaining very close edge of seat sort of stuff but I, I noticed a disturbing trend this weekend that when they bring in, you know, they got the old officials sitting there in the booth and the announcers will go, well, what'd you see there? That somehow they're trying to make it sound like false starts aren't false starts anymore. I mean, guys are out of their stance moving back and they're, you know, everyone in the booth and all of us watching it because we've watched this game for 40 years. They're going, man, that's a false start. Well, then they bring in Jerry Colangelo, and and he says, well, you know, they give him two frames as they're going. And then on plays that they're missing, obvious holding where the guys tackle, you know, and ETM goes around the end, the official they bring in goes, well, he has a lot going on there, you know, the officials. So somehow these guys have decided to do a narrative now. Watching bad officiating is okay because there's a lot going on. And, you know, a false start isn't a false start. And a pass interference isn't a pass interference anymore. It, it's, it's very bizarre to me how on this weekend, after watching the NFL all year, you know, typically these officials are going, yeah, man, that was pass interference. He hit him two yards before the ball got there. This weekend, that narrative changed. It was, well, you know, he was there, but, you know, it's a bang-bang and all that. It, it, it seemed awful odd to me in a year where even the NFL says it's the worst officiating. Now they have some mouthpieces there trying to describe in different ways where, well, it's okay and it's normal and we should accept it. No, false starts are false starts, man. That that should be the most simple thing in the world, right? And and it's a little disturbing there. And the, the, other than watching good football, getting those explanations was, wow, this is weird. I, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but it's a very kind of weird trend that I saw this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It It is, um, you know, I thought – 
if I hate when officiating becomes the storyline. I didn't. It, it certainly always is. They got to get full time officials in there. They got to do. It's it's just like the narrative shouldn't be there if you're the NFL. Um, I heard, I did hear which game was Greg Olson on. He was on the uh, he was on the Giants Vikings game, and Greg Olson said something that I I think I think it was Mike Perea or whatever in the booth yeah. like clearly like made him mad, which I thought was really funny. Uh, well, and I don't remember what it was, but it was something it was, where like he kind of took a shot, and it was like <laughs> it, it was it, I, I, I laughed. It was a false start, which we've all seen, and we know what one is. But Pereira comes on, and they go, "Well, now these officials, you know, give him two clicks on it." But uh, you know, when you watch the game, you know what a false start is. I mean, you know, there are some close, but this guy's a yard back <laughs> before he goes. And the defensive end's going, man, why aren't you throwing a flag on this? So so it's weird for the optics when you see that. And the guys that were officials now, who all year long, it seemed to me, were being quite honest with it, going, yeah, that was a false start. But this weekend, it wasn't a false start anymore. It just seemed odd. But And Doug Peterson has a little book on Andy Reid this weekend for our Chiefs. So that that game is a little nerve wracking there, considering you know we got them we got them at Arrowhead before, but we got out to a big start and they kind of figured out something in the second half. So that'll be interesting. And you know Cincinnati should take care of Buffalo, but man, that offensive line took a beating again. I mean they got players down again. So we'll see, we'll see. But uh, good times, man. Good good wild card weekend. Usually there's blowouts, and this time. Very entertaining, very entertaining. So you guys have a great week. Thanks, Earl. Yeah, I don't know. That is interesting. It was a good wild card weekend. What does that mean for the divisional round? I sure hope it doesn't mean we get the blowouts in the divisional round. Historically, Tommy, the divisional round is the round that I love. Like it gets like you get great games. It's to me the best weekend typically in football is the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And I think we're going to get that again this year. Um, I think it's going to be really good. I I don't see any of these games going to a blowout. I think the most likely is Chiefs-Jags, but I don't know that any of us can sit here and comfortably say, oh, yeah, that's going to be a blowout. I think there are reasons, as we turn the page, for the Chiefs to have concern in that game, right? It was a 10-point game earlier in the season. Playing somebody twice, you know, the Jags also have to play the Chiefs twice. So that that goes both ways, right? It's not just like, uh-oh, the Chiefs have to play the Jaguars again. You know what? I, no, the Jags also have to play the Chiefs again. Um, so I, I think that the Chiefs are going to be fine. I think they've got to be careful, though, not to turn the ball over. Uh, we saw them correct that at the end of the year. They can't turn the ball over because Jacksonville can run the ball and if they turn the ball over, they could really take the air out of the Chiefs' offense, and that could be a problem. We know that Trevor Lawrence uh, is not immune to turning the ball over. Four interceptions in the first half uh, against the, the Chargers. And so I think that if Kansas City can put pressure on Trevor Lawrence, uh, that's going to be beneficial for sure. We've seen, I believe, the secondary and the coverage for Kansas City improve in the final couple of weeks of the regular season. It's been better than what it was, I think, midway through the season for Kansas City. So that's going to be a part of it. But then also stopping the run. And that's been off and on successful for Kansas City. Uh, we know that Willie Gay uh, is really good at stopping the run. And keep in mind, the last time these two teams played, Willie Gay was suspended and did not play. 
And so that was in the middle, middle of that stretch. So having him back and being able to uh, stop Travis Etienne is going to be a big compliment for Kansas City defensively. Um, so I'm keeping an eye on those things. But if you get into a turnover battle, which I think is unlikely, but it could happen where Kansas City forces turnovers on Trevor Lawrence, but then Jacksonville's defense is able to, for, to force turnovers on Kansas City, that's going to throw the entire game script out of the water. And you could very quickly get into the same, the same kind of scenario that the Chargers got into in the second half this weekend in the wildcard matchup. I don't think that's going to happen because, again, you've got Brandon Staley versus Andy Reid, but we have seen Kansas City blow leads as recently as this season. It's happened in the playoffs before. So there is that little thing in the back of my mind that's saying, all right, you just got to make sure that you don't do what the Chargers did and you don't do what Kansas City has done before, which is blow leads in the playoffs. I, I do think it's I do think it's as simple as the Chiefs just can't turn the ball over. Um, if that you know if that happens, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're better uh, through the air. Obviously, I think they're better defensively, and I think they can run the ball. It, it's going to be turnovers. If the Chiefs just don't turn the ball over, I think they're going to be okay. Um, and they've got the week to prepare with Andy Reid, and we know all that stuff. But what I do think is Jacksonville has things that they can do to, you know, try to win this game. But can the Chiefs force turnovers? Did Trevor Lawrence learn his lesson? Is he going to turn the ball over? Is he going to protect the ball now because of what happened in the first half against the Chargers? I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. And I think if you could have cherry-picked any team out of the AFC playoffs for them to play outside of Baltimore because they're hurt. This is probably the one you want to play, even maybe more than Miami, um, not knowing what Miami has at quarterback because of Miami's playmakers on offense. I think the Jags are the team. The Jags have a lot of weapons, though, and they are finding their groove with those guys working together. They spent a ton of money to get those weapons in there. You know, their, their top pick last year, Trayvon Walker, is playing better lately. Like, he's involved in a lot of plays now. So it's not a cupcake. No game is a cupcake at this point in the season. They are very well coached. They do have confidence. And they have, you know, the ability to turn somebody over. And that's been the Chiefs' Achilles heel. They've done a better job late in the season. I suspect they'll continue that in this game, and I think they'll be okay. But it's going to be turnovers. If they turn the ball over two, three times, this could get interesting. Yeah, on, on top of that, too, uh, Kansas City defensively in the secondary they're going to have a, a, a decent amount to account for. Uh, while Jacksonville does not have the explosive receivers like Cincinnati does or that Buffalo does, Trevor Lawrence is more than comfortable spreading the ball around. We saw him do that in the second half in that comeback. Four different receivers each had a touchdown in Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Marvin Jones. All four of them caught touchdown passes. So it's not like the Kansas City secondary can focus in on one player specifically and try to take him away because Trevor Lawrence doesn't have any issue whatsoever with spreading the ball around. And so that's going to, uh, I think, require Steve Spagnola to figure out exactly the best way to cover multiple receivers at any given moment. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, I would rather take 
the Kansas City defense to cover the Jacksonville receivers than the Bengals or the Bills. But at the same time, it's not like it's going to be a cakewalk. No, it's not. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. Cakewalk, and and in fact, I'm worried about the line, which has already moved from nine to eight and a half. It looks like. I don't think. I I don't know what I would do with that line. It was a ten point game last time, and I feel like the Jaguars are a better team now than they were. Uh, but we'll have a lot to say about this game. We'll get Dan Israel in tomorrow. He's going to uh, give us some perspective on that and what he's seen. The executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. That's coming up uh, uh, tomorrow in our weekly visit. We're going to talk some college hoops next. We're going to turn the page from the NFL, look at the weekend of college hoops. It was a very interesting one. Uh, What do we want to take away from it? I think is compelling, certainly. Uh, But we'll do that as we roll forward on Sports Daily. It's Jacob Albrock and Tommy Castor. We're with you till 11 o'clock on this holiday Monday for many of you. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you on this holiday Monday edition. Chad Chambers producing. 869-1240 is the number to call. College basketball on Saturday was great. College basketball tomorrow night should be even better as KU visits K-State. So K-State, let's start there, Tommy, because they played first. Has the adversity for the first time, and this is the Big 12. They lost to a good team on the road. I don't think anybody's going to sit here and be overly concerned about losing a road game to a really good Big 12 team. Um, but, you know, Kansas State had a, had a chance to prove it's, you know, whatever you want to put quantify it with, a top 10 team, whatever it is. But now they got now they got to bounce back, and they've got to bounce back in a really tough spot again at home against KU. So... This will be interesting for K-State. TCU got them, and TCU controlled that game big time all the way through. It was, you know, it was sort of a 20-point margin throughout until the very end of the game. Uh, Keontae Johnson, uh, you know, was pretty good, but not his best. Marquise Noel, it felt like took a really long time to get things going. I think a couple of things, Tommy. I think TCU's in the mix very much in the Big 12 overall to win it, Uh, and I, and I think K-State's fine. It's just, you know, 
TCU dominated them at home. I, I don't know what to make of it. It was, you know, I called it a trap game. You didn't agree with that. I, I think it was, I don't think that's why K-State lost the game. I don't think they were overlooking it or anything like that. I think it was, you know, just a trap game for momentum because it was going to be a tough win no matter how you sliced it to go down there and get that one. Yeah, I never bought into the mentality that it was a trap game, and I still don't because I think a trap game, um, it, it assumes that a team is overlooking or not taking seriously an opponent. And TCU is, is a great team, and they have been, and they were desperate. They needed to have uh, that win after falling to Texas earlier last week. And so I never bought into that mentality that it was a trap game for the Wildcats. Um, but, yeah, I mean, TCU looked outstanding at home. Uh, they had, what, a 14-point margin uh, in the first half, and then the team, two teams played even in the second half. But TCU jumped out to a great start. They had four players in double figures, and the Wildcats had a hard time shooting the ball at times. Uh, and, and both of the guys that you rely on to make shots in Johnson and Noel, uh, neither one of them shot it at the clip that you would really expect them uh, to do that. Now, both of them finished in double figures, uh, but to your point, Keontae Johnson looked good, not great, and Marquise Noel looked good, not great. And I would say that as those two guys go, the whole team is going to go. Uh, and they didn't look great. And so the Wildcats didn't look great. But I'm not concerned at all moving forward for this Wildcats squad. I think they've still proven that they are one of the best teams in the conference and are absolutely deserved of their ranking right now. So I'm not concerned about where they stand at this moment, even after losing by 14 on the road to TCU. TCU's a great team. Uh, they're going to be in the top 15. I don't know, maybe even the top 10 when the new rankings come out. Uh, so I don't have any issue whatsoever with the Wildcats losing this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I have an issue with the lost it because it really was. It was like a 20-point margin most of the way. I, I have a problem with that. Like, I don't like that they lost it that badly. Uh, TCU climbs back in now with two conference losses. They were in a desperate spot. And Kansas State now, who will be underdogs tomorrow to some degree, I don't know how much yet, but they'll be underdogs, is got a tough spot to not fall down even, you know, below Iowa State potentially. And then at that point, you'd be two games, two and a half really behind Kansas, which would be no bueno for Kansas State. Kansas State will need to play with a bit of desperation if they want to win a Big 12 title tomorrow. And that will be also interesting to see. But I am disappointed that they lost it by that margin, and they were really never in that game against TCU. A loss is a loss, but they got their butts kicked. And so we've got to see them bounce back from getting their butts kicked. Teams get their butts kicked in college basketball all the time. But now, again, this group, right, how do they respond to that? And and I suspect they'll respond to it very well, and they'll come out with their hair on fire at home and give Kansas a heck of a game. I don't think that this is some larger you know, look at this team as like they're overrated or anything like that. I think we're well beyond that. I think they just got their butts kicked. And it was the perfect spot if you were writing the script for a game to get your butt kicked, right? And a part of that had to do with TCU. I think a part of that had to do with K-State and just the energy and everything that they've, you know, had to expel over going on the road and playing those two tough games and then, you know, all the things coming back home, playing another tight game, like everything about that was like, okay, this could be a spot. And it was a spot. So now they got to bounce back from it. And it's a pretty quick turnaround to a Tuesday game too, by the way, like that's not a ton of time to sit and, and think about it. And they may think that's a good thing because they may want the opportunity to get right back out there and wash that one away. But, you know, I don't know if, Again, I don't call it disappointing by any means. 
except that the margin was bigger than you know than I'd have liked to see. They they were never in that game. TCU pretty much had it wire to wire. I know that we're going to probably spend a lot of time tomorrow previewing the Sunflower Showdown, um, and that's great. But my early thought right now is that regardless of what the line is, uh, I think that KU will have a difficult time covering whatever that line is. It could come out at two and a half, three, four, yeah, I think it'll somewhere be around close. there. But I think that they're going to have a difficult time covering that. I think that this game more than likely will come down to its final possession. And it wouldn't shock me one bit if not only the Wildcats have the lead late in the game, but it also wouldn't surprise me if Kansas State wins. Uh, now, I know I know that KU in recent years has dominated the rivalry. Um, I don't think I think I read this over the weekend that the Wildcats have not beaten Kansas since 2019. Uh, so it's been a while. Of course, those were a couple of really bad years for the Wildcats in the final years of Bruce Weber. This is a different team. Uh, and Kansas has shown a propensity for playing really, really tight Big 12 games. And up to this point, being able to win all of them when they've been close. Now, the difference is a lot of those really tight games have been inside Allen Fieldhouse. They're going to Bramlage tomorrow. Um, I wouldn't be shocked one bit. If we're talking Wednesday morning about the Wildcats breaking that streak and getting a victory, oh, yeah. I think it's I think everything is trending towards a bounce back game for the Wildcats and Jerome Tang being able to get his guys up and ready for a huge matchup tomorrow night. I, I agree. Um, and and yeah, we'll see what the line is. I don't know anybody on the planet. KU fans included that liked the KU line against Iowa State. What was it? Nine and a half. Yeah. It's like, no way. No, what? Nine and a half. What do you, what have we been watching? Take the points every day. Yeah. And, and KU's, I think one of KU's great strengths this year is they are in, what are we in January 16th in a mode where they're just finding all sorts of different ways to win games. That's a strength, but they're not to the point yet where they're ready to start blowing people out of the water in Big 12 play. And I'm not sure we'll ever reach there because the conference is just too good. And so, you know, whatever it is, I think it'll be within five points. I don't think it'll be any bigger than that. It may be even closer. But yeah, K-State absolutely has a chance. It's actually a decent matchup for K-State. I think K-State is is a lot like KU in what they'll struggle against, um, which is bigs, right? I, I think that K-State and KU are similar in that way that they could struggle against good bigs like like K-State did against Lampkin um, because he's a really good player, right? We saw that last year in the postseason, and he can take over a game at times. And and he didn't, you know, he was limited in his minutes even in that game against K-State. But KU we saw in the Tennessee game. Now, they KU's proven it a couple other times, right? The Duke game, and they've, and they've handled bigs okay. But this, to me, feels like a K.J. Adams game, and how good has he been for KU? And I think he's everybody's favorite player. He's certainly mine. Ten games in a row with ten points yeah. or more. I mean, love that's, that's watching quite a that guy play. Yeah. But it's you know, if you're KU, that's it. Like you, hey, KJ Adams, take this game over because we just saw, you know, K State and and their struggles against a big. Well, you may not be as big as Lampkin, but you're ten times more athletic. Go get it. Like go get yours in this game. It wouldn't surprise me also for this to be a Grady Dick game. Uh, he had 21 against Iowa State totally. on Saturday. And yeah. this is his first Sunflower Showdown. He's a Kansas guy. We've seen this sort of thing happen before, whether it's Christian Brown playing for KU, 
Uh, yeah. And when, whenever they face the Wildcats or on the other side of it, Dean Wade playing for Kansas State against KU uh, and that kind of chip on the shoulder, like, you know, and especially for K-State, like when Dean Wade played, I remember like all the narrative was Kansas didn't really recruit him and here he goes to Kansas State. And so he loves those matchups. So it wouldn't shock me one bit for this to be a Grady Dick type game. Um, but that being said, I'm really looking forward to this line coming out. Uh, tomorrow and us talking about it uh, because I, you know, I would imagine it's somewhere in that two to four range for Kansas as the favorite. Um, I, I'm probably going to put money on Kansas state to cover that because I do think that it can come down. It will come down to the final possession. Yeah. I think it'll be three and a half or four and a half. We'll see. Um, I, here's what's interesting about Grady Dick. Grady Dick scored 20 points four times this year. Each of those times, he has not followed it up with, by his own standard, like a great offensive effort. He had 23 in the opener, followed it with 12. Had 25 against NC State, followed it up with 9. Had 20 against Indiana, followed it up with 11. And then he, he will have had 21 here. He, he, his best stretch, he's had two stretches where he went 18 and 25. And then probably, I think his best stretch was a stretch, and it wasn't against what now looks like great, but he had four games with 15 plus points. So what we've got to see from Grady Dick is to just really string that together and bring up his own standard, but he's a freshman. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that takes the most time that, you know, it takes guys a long time in college basketball, I think to do that. And I'm not sure we will, but it'll be interesting to see that. Can Grady Dick now follow up one of his real great offensive performances where he's what what was he I think 5 of 9 or something from the field you know can he, he follow that up 13. with another seven I sorry from 3 from 5 field. of 9 from 3 yeah 5 of 9 um, from 3 yep it, can he follow that up with another one of those kind of games as we continue to see his evolution as a player it's definitely on the table well, and I think it was very clear that the times that he was off the court uh the can uh, the, the Jayhawks were having trouble finding an offensive consistent answer uh and so I I know there was a stretch in the second half where Bill Self pulled Grady Dick uh, and he was out for, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds. And they had a really hard time getting anything going. And Grady Dick was right back in the game. So as we all know, it's an understatement that the Kansas offense is uh, much better when Grady Dick is on the court. And so he played 31 minutes against Iowa State. And it wouldn't surprise me in a rivalry game like this tomorrow night inside Bramlage that barring any kind of foul trouble, uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Grady Dick out there for more than 31. I mean, maybe 35 to 38 minutes. I think Bill Self is going to try to get him out there as much as possible because in an environment like Bramlage, you're going to need somebody like Grady Dick who can make a big shot at times to quiet the crowd. And so don't be shocked to see him out there more than 31, barring any kind of foul trouble. Uh, we'll talk more about that game, obviously, tomorrow. Cannot wait for it. It will be the college basketball spot of the year for us. Uh, let's hit Wichita State here, too. Um, winners, Tommy. They beat the worst team in the league by four at home. I mean, I'm glad they won the game. They had to win the game. There was a time where we were like, oh, good. Uh, they didn't shoot it well from three. Surprise, surprise. You know, 11% from the game. They got it done, though. Tulsa putting up 69 points on that defense. No bueno. Yep. Um, well, that, that's they, not good. They were down by what, 20 or so um, at, you know, in the first half and then even in the beginning of the second half. Um, 
Paul and I warned about it on Friday. It was after you left the show and we previewed that game. And uh, of course, they they got the victory. They're back to two and three in the American. But uh, you know, it was a it was gritty. It was a good comeback. But I'm not sure a lot of that inspires a whole lot of confidence. Yeah, they got the win, and that's great. But they were in a position that, frankly, they shouldn't have been in. Correct. Uh, down by 15 or more at home against the worst team in the conference. Um, man, I, I I don't know. Yeah, they got the they got the win. I guess you you survive in advance and move on. Um, but they certainly should not have been in that position. I mean, Tulsa shot almost 50% from the field. Tulsa. So that's going to be a problem. Wichita State right now has it's most probably, you know, the, the the best chance for this team to ever make a statement is going to come this week when they get two road games at Memphis, at SMU. If they're ever going to flip the narrative this year, it's probably going to come this week. This is their opportunity to do it. It's a tough ask, but they get a long break before Memphis, and then they go to SMU, which which will then become a, a relatively quick turnaround. So we'll I will see. say real quick, though, credit to Jaquan Walton, 19 points. Uh, we've talked multiple times about who other options offensively for Wichita State can get it done. And at least in that game for Tulsa, Walton stepped up and they needed him. They don't win that game without Jaquan Walton. They've had injury issues. The Shockers have, but you know, like Pierre wasn't there. Um, or sorry, Pierre was there. Pierre was there, uh, but didn't have a good game. Just two for 10. And other guys that have picked up the slack. Yeah, Walton early in the year did some of that, but it's been a minute. And and James Rojas, that was one of his six of nine performances. You know, too. six of nine from the field was Walton, and so um, you know, shooting at a high clip. Um, you know, it, it was nice to see him kind of get back to that original form. What was interesting? The two bigs, Poto and Rojas, uh, combined twenty-two points, seventeen rebounds, eight assists between those two. That's an interesting development. That may be something to look at for a team that at times is offensively challenged work through those two work through those two guys. I, I don't and know. Xavier I don't know. bell off the bench, you know, 10 points and, and uh, four of six shooting in 15 minutes of play. Um, he was kind of that spark plug too. And, and we've seen that role be Melvion Flanagan's the last few games, uh, but it was bell against Tulsa um, coming in off the bench, you know, scoring in double figures and kind of being that spark plug. We'll see. They got a big week coming up. We'll get more on that later in the week. We'll have uh Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director, get his take on things uh, midweek. That's coming up on Wednesday. We'll come back uh, now open the rest of the way. We've hit the NFL. We've hit college basketball. What do you want to talk about the rest of the way? 869-1240, some other storylines to get through. We'll be back on Sports Daily. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Did you notice, because I didn't, as it was happening, locked into the NFL, obviously, and the college basketball that we were watching on Saturday, but did you notice the absolute bloodbath that was happening on Saturday in college basketball? It was one of the wildest upset weekends in the history of the sport. Um, I, I think 11 teams in the top 25 lost. 
uh, Miami, Tennessee, Wisconsin, Arkansas, K-State, Providence, Missouri, Iowa State, uh, Duke, Arizona, and I think that's it. Oh, and San Diego State all lose on Saturday, all inside the top 25. Uh, it's been that kind of year in college basketball. It, it, and Arizona, really... Arizona got boat raced by 21. They're the number nine yeah. team in America. Just absolutely got killed by Dana Altman's squad, uh, who is unranked, uh, but at home. And I always know it's at home because I hate their court in Oregon. It's so obnoxious to look at. Uh, but Arizona went Which in. one do you hate more, TCU or Oregon? Because I hate TCUs Oregon. more. Oregon TCUs for sure. I can, hurts my eyes. I, I can don't know handle what it is, TCUs but it hurts okay. my eyes. It doesn't bother me as much as, as Oregon's. I just I can't even focus. And with the green uniforms, uh, plus the the way the court looks, I just I can't do it. But no, it was a bloodbath uh, for sure. And I think that it's pretty clear that you've got the top four teams in the country. You know, Kansas, Houston. Alabama, uh, Purdue, I think beyond that, who knows after four. And, and even then those four, uh, I know Houston's number one in the polls and Kansas is number two. I could probably swap any of those teams in and out anywhere from one to four, but beyond that, man, who knows? It's crazy. By the way, Alabama just had a player arrested and charged with capital murder, uh, in a just stunning story. Um, so who knows what impact that will have on that program. Can't uh, imagine he's going to play anytime soon. No, 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 no. Yeah, wild, wild story, uh, if you want to look at that. Um, Texas got a win uh, against Texas Tech. That's both I, – I really root for Mark Adams, so I don't like that, that Texas Tech still didn't get that win in the Big 12. But at the same time, Jerome Tang needs to stay at Kansas State, so it's going to be good every time Texas wins the rest of the way. In uh, their chances of just promoting Rodney Terry. So root for that, K-State fans. Root for Texas this year in every game they don't play Kansas State. That's what that's what the best possible outcome will be is an internal promotion there. Because I don't think there's any other job that would potentially come up that would interest Jerome Tang, Tommy. Um, that'll be it. If, if even that, that would be it. And as we've talked to Tim Fitzgerald, it doesn't seem like it might be the best fit, but who knows. But I don't think there's any other job that would potentially come up that would in- intrigue them enough. So K-State fans just continue to root for Texas to get it done. Uh, and they're good. They're good, and they're and they're still playing well despite it. But just wild. And I missed it, too. You know, I wasn't – I watched, obviously, the games that, that we were worried about in college basketball, and then it was NFL, and it wasn't until yesterday that I was like, wait, what happened on Saturday? And I start to go back and look, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah, and I think other than other than Oregon beating Arizona, I think the b- other big story, Kentucky beating Tennessee. Uh, John Calipari, there have been a lot of conversations about has his time with Kentucky uh, kind of come to an end here. And and I, I watched, um, I don't remember which game they were playing last week, uh, but there was the game where a fan brought in a sign that said Calipari go to Texas or something like that and was escorted out of the arena. Um, so th- there's been a lot going on there with the Wildcats squad and they're unranked. And, uh, you know, I-, I-, I didn't even realize that Kentucky hasn't won an NCAA tournament game in four years. Um, so that's not good for the high expectations that uh, Kentucky Wildcats fans have. That was a big win on the road at Tennessee and maybe quiets the masses down a little bit uh, as it relates to John Cal- Calipari. 
Yeah, it's interesting because normally I am very much a be careful what you wish for um, kind of a guy when it comes to replacing coaches. But, man, they got Sheebway back too this year. And I don't know. Did, did, did Calipari come right after Tubby Smith? I think he did, right? Like Kentucky's uh, no, a program no, that I wouldn't there was, worry. Remember, there was that that brief tenure of Billy Gillespie in Kentucky. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, and that that's was a right. disaster. That was an absolute train wreck. Um, I think he like he never signed a contract officially. Like it was a a verbal agreement the entire time that he was coached there, uh, and then he left. And then I think Calipari came in. Yeah, that's right. And Tubby Smith was there for a long time, um, and Patino before that, and Eddie Sutton. So really, like. If you're Kentucky and you wanted to make a change, I think you'd be fine, right? It's not – I don't see Kentucky wavering. That's going to be a really interesting one. And, you know, if you're Coach Cal, too, you got to be kind of tired of it. But, like, if I was a Kentucky fan, like, that – I don't know that I would enjoy being a fan of a team that re- that replaces so many players so often. Now everybody does it with the transfer portal, but Kentucky's been on that path forever. They brought well, I think some of the back. top Some of the top coaches in America that we talked about potentially going to Texas – you could look at being a big-time asset in Lexington if Calipari doesn't return. Eric Musselman, Nate Oates. I mean, there are names out there that can make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. They've got a long they got a long way to go this season, I think, probably to dictate that to some degree. 869-1240. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap the rest of the day on the network right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.